This is Blaine Scully. Welcome to the Captain's Code. Each week, we talk with the leaders of high-performance teams about the role they play in making a culture of excellence possible. My guest this week is Casey Schwab, Vice President of Business and Legal Affairs for the NFL Players Association's commercial business, NFL Players, Inc. In his leadership role at the NFLPA, Casey leads negotiations on complex commercial transactions with partners such as the NFL, Electronic Arts, Fanatics, and Nike. He also represents all active NFL players on issue of national importance, ranging from right of publicity legislation to sports gambling. Casey is a published author and frequent speaker on topics such as intellectual property, media distribution, and the convergence of technology and business. Really appreciate you coming on. Walk us through a little bit about your background and kind of why you chose sports and you know how it's kind of driven your life, really. Sure, sure. Um, I was one of those kids that it was all sports all the time. And probably like you, um, you made it a lot further than I did, but it was like my mom wanted me to do piano and guitar, and I never put as much into those things as I did, and frankly, school for that matter, as much as I did after school of practice. Had the dream of playing college football, that dream was stopped by my shoulder, which I still can't rotate further than this. So now my my athletic pursuits are at 6 a.m. in the morning playing pickup basketball, um, which is which keeps the competitive drive going a little bit. Went to UW-Madison wanting to do something in sports. And it's funny because I went through four years of college and three years of law school. I went to USC for law school out in L.A. After seven years, if you would have asked me what is, like, working in sports, I wouldn't have known. I got a job offer as a temp with the NFL Network. That was the original offer. It was seven months. And and when my former boss called, he said, I got good news and bad news. He said, the good news is, I got a job for you. I said, that's awesome. That's amazing. How could, they, how could there be bad news? He said, well, the bad news is it doesn't pay very well. It's an hourly rate, um, which was 12 bucks an hour. And I was a graduate, law school graduate. It's seven months only. You get no insurance, and I need you to start like right away. And I was preparing for the bar exam. Took that job, turned that job, the seven-month gig, into a full-time gig just by walking around the office saying, like, anybody got any contracts? You need help with anything? Um, did that for a little over three years and then got approached by Fox, Fox Sports out in L.A., to go and, and, and do talent deals and also work on the NFL relationship with Fox. Steepest learning curve I had was you, here. It's June. Here's a contract that's eight years, and this is public. It's an, like an eleven billion dollar contract, the rights deal. You got to know everything to be able to answer in real time on Sundays when you get a question. It's like okay, <laughs> so did that. Um, it was it was a great experience, and then I got, I got approached by the NFLPA to join on the for profit side. If I could craft my resume. I wouldn't have left Fox when I did, but it was one of those things where you can't control it, right? It's You get a phone call, you pick it up, and if the rocket ship is going, you take your seat on the rocket ship. And that was my dream was working not only in the TV side, but in sports and impacting the athletes. And where I'm at at the NFLPA does just that. Why, why is that? Like, why, why would... Did you see that as your kind of ideal place of like, okay, this is where, this is where I, I fit. This is, this is my spot. What I'm doing now in my role at the NFLPA and NFL Players Inc. and Rep Worldwide, the One Team Collective, Ace Media, I get to strategize about making money, just like a normal for-profit business. But 
what we say is that we're for profit, but not just for profit, meaning we have these two North Stars. One B, starting with the second one, so one B is generate revenue on behalf of our athletes. One A is always do what's best for the athletes. When I was at Fox Sports and NFL Network, there's, there's a one. The North Star is eyeballs. You want to get as many eyeballs as you can, as many clicks as, many clicks as you can, and that's no different than any other for-profit entity. What's unique about working for the, the Players Association is that we're not just a for-profit entity, even though I get to do all the cool things in business and actually probably have more opportunities to do cooler things because we're associated with NFL players. But it's always about what's best for the athlete. So it's like the balancing of the purpose and the mission and then also like the, the challenge. And I think the really th- interesting thing about your position, you know, sit on the one team collective board, which is which is really, really awesome. And, and then probably this is kind of our connection, which is sit on the rep worldwide executive board and where you're taking your for profit or for profit and licensing expertise and helping you know, start up players association like ours, you know, create revenue generation opportunities and, and meshing that profit and purpose into you know maximizing the athlete's platform while they have it can you kind of talk through you know both individually and then maybe collectively from a pa's perspective you know, how you're driving really because seems like this is kind of your role is that you're driving thought leadership you're tackling big issues like blockchain and sports betting and and all that kind of stuff so you know how does how does that kind of work for you it's, it's all it goes back to where can we give our athletes power and the power in, in this instance with my role is through money and not to say there aren't other, there's obviously so uh, social issues and, and there, there's the labor conversations that I'm not as much of a part of, but my job is to maximize revenue. So we go, okay, for 25 years, we've had deals in licensing consumer products. So jerseys, video games, trading cards, um, and that is our still our core revenue streams, and it's, it's, it's very important and necessary to run the union. But we went, what else can we do? We're bored. We get bored easily, as you can tell. So we went into content, and we thought, there's a huge opportunity in content. This was four years ago. We launched Ace Media. Ace Media. Like, okay, cool. That's going well. We just got an investment that was just announced in Ace Media, outside capital. It's going really, really well. And then a year later, we were like, okay, what else can we do? And we saw this gap. We were working with companies that were mature companies, call it like young adults to like giants. We wanted to get the younger companies, the, the startups, the series companies, uh, seed series, uh, seed A, and not the, just the Visas and the Microsofts and the Fanatics. So we launched the One Team Collective saying, well, instead of paying us a license fee, why don't you give us points in your company in lieu of or in addition to the license fee, and then we, you can be aligned with us and our athletes. And then lastly, and I think probably most interestingly for the impact that we're having on athletes as a whole is Rep Worldwide. That's how we got to know each other. And, and the Rep Worldwide mission is to do what we've done for NFL players, which is maximize the value of their likeness rights and their intellectual property rights and do it and dominate the world. And it sounds funny, but it's there's athletes from all over the world. There's athletes here in the States, obviously, but they're all over the world. And the way that you give those athletes power is you can do exactly what we do with NFL players, which is putting money in their pockets. Um, so we, we launched with the U.S. Women's National, US Women's National Team PA and the WNBPA uh, 
little over a year ago, a uh, year and a half ago, and they're equity stakeholders. And that's really important that we have diversity, not only in terms of gender, but diversity in sport, right? Like we know our NFL players, but we don't know what other athletes, like you know your sport better than our athletes know their sport. So we want a diversity from day one, which is why they sit on the board of Rep Worldwide, um, the executive directors of those two unions, and they are act- actually equity stakeholders. And m- more recently, we've been working, uh, lucky enough to work with you guys, U.S. Women's National Rugby, men's and women, which is important to do both. Um, and we just launched or just announced that we signed MLSPA. It's not like we're a traditional agency that we're just taking a commission and it's Again, going back to this two North Stars, right? It's like 1A, 1B. 1B is generate revenue. That's where the commission comes in. It's important. But 1A is really the betterment of athletes. And it's and it, like I said, it's most interesting. If you look at what the U.S. women's national team, the marketing power, I mean, the power that these women wield is is awesome. And they should be benefiting from that, not just on the field, not just for what they get paid to play their sport, but off the field as well, their jerseys, the towels, the T-shirts, all of that, they should be getting a piece of that. Yeah, and I, and I love exactly what you're saying because you know one of the things behind forming the U.S. Rugby Players Association, how can we improve the quality experience of the athletes? Full stop. That was our core mission. And what REPT allows us to do is, well, part of the quality experience is actually maximizing your earning potential while you have the short window you do as an athlete. So, you know, and, and it seems like the NFLPA is able to balance what can, I imagine, be a challenge at some times. It's, it's like, okay, how do we maintain who we are but also expand and grow and be adaptable to you know, the ever-changing kind of sport landscape that we find ourselves in? Yeah, you mentioned maximizing that short window of time. Um, NFL players' career span on average is 3.3 years. And, and a mentor of mine, a professional mentor of mine, told me this one time, and, and I passed this along to players uh, like especially the young ones, if you take your career, your professional working career and put it, you say there's 40 years, give or take, and you break it down by decade. So each decade, you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. If you look back at college, high school, and you say, okay, each decade is, first decade is freshman year, second decade is sophomore year, et cetera. And you say, okay, 3.3 years in is the average playing career of an NFL player. Where are you? You're not even to your first semester of your freshman year, if you think about what, where, you, where your mindset was is in college and high school and how much you didn't know and how much as a senior when you're graduating, you look back and you'd say to that same, you'd say to your freshman year self, you'd be like, hey, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't wear that. And that's the sort of thing that you're just getting started when you're an athlete. So you can take those 3.3 years and, and you can maximize that and, and think about all the things that you're going to be doing sophomore year, your second decade. You're definitely not playing, even if you're Tom Brady, you're not p- playing for into your junior year, that third decade, because it's just, that's not how sports works, right? So maximizing that time is something that we um, say it over and over and over to our athletes is like, this is your time to do what you need to do on the field, but also prepare yourself for life after football or life after rugby or soccer or basketball. There's so much in that from a personal development perspective from an athlete, okay, as far as, you know, mental health, right? And, mm-hmm. and how you identify and when you're not a competitive athlete anymore, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not competitive, but you're finding what the next thing is you're going right. to do, which it might not be the same as that, uh, as, as a sport you're doing, but you know, 
you're just evolving and adapting to whatever that next challenge is. Professional athletes in any sport, you did something that 99.9% of the rest of the population couldn't do, even if they wanted to do it. And, and that may be God-given ability, or it may be you have something inside of you. More likely, it's both. So you have this drive, this passion, this like zealous nature to attack something. That same quality is going to help you in whatever you do when you get done playing sports. And that's what we tell our guys is like, you guys were take, take all that stuff that got you there on the football field and apply it no matter what your passion is. If you want to be on TV and you want to be Troy Aikman or Tony Romo in the booth, then you better work at it and apply. You talked a little bit about it, but I was wondering if maybe we could go a little bit deeper into you know kind of some of your mentors and, and coming up through the business and how you learn, how you grew and, and kind of, can you walk us through a little bit of that? Yeah. Um, it, it's pretty cliche to say you, you should have your own board of directors, but I didn't know that cliche when I was in law school and I was meeting people and I was going out and going to conferences and I was going, uh, cold calling people and sending letters. But that's really what I did is, is, I, is I created this group of people who I, I trusted. And um, one of the things that <laughs> drove me crazy about law school is there's all this like networking training and, and this word network. You got to go network. You got to go network. Um, to me, there's this, this almost like a negative connotation to that. It being like high volume, low impact, just hand out your business card and transactional. Yeah. And I just, I, 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 I hate that. Um, I like, I like getting to know human beings and it's like, I, I'm going to click with, click with some, I'm going to not click with others. It doesn't right? Like it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I didn't know early on or I didn't learn until later was if I don't click with someone for whatever reason, me, that person, or, or, or both, um, would I really want to work with or for that person? If you can sit on a plane from New York to L.A. with someone and not have Wi-Fi and not want to jump out of the plane, well, that's a good thing. It's like the airplane test, right? You want to, <laughs> you want to be able to get to know somebody. I didn't do this necessarily intentionally. But it just happened this way that I've found some people, some mentors that I respect them more as men and women than I do as professionals. The professional stuff is great. Their titles are great, but I respect them as people and who they are. And that's what's really like taken me to my uh, three steps along the way. Now you're in charge of leading teams and connecting with outside businesses and, and a lot of different things, managing up, managing down, managing cross and all these different things. So, you know, I wonder if you could kind of share because most of my well, all my experience, I never had a real job in my life, but most of my experience <laughs> is on, on the field. But, but you know, I, I find it real, really interesting about like, okay, well, what about the day-to-day -day operations when you're working on these really, really complex things with a lot of different people that aren't here and that they might be there. And, but, but at the same time, you have this like cause that you're kind yeah, of, yeah, you also really have different personalities, different right? personalities. What, what works yeah. with one person isn't going to work with another person. And then there might be something totally different that resonates with another person. Nobody's perfect in that. We all fail, and I fail more than anybody else. But I really, this sounds like s sort of like pious or righteous, and I want to just, I fail at this, but I try to treat every interaction, whether it's with Demora Smith or, or Eric Winston, our president, player president, or a, pl a famous player, 
or the person who's working security at one of our events or the person who comes in and waters plants. Everybody has something to offer. And again, I'll start and end with like it sounds like, oh, yeah, right. Like he thinks he's so good. I don't. I fail at it all the time. But like listening and and when somebody comes into my office, um, actually, I'll tell a little story. So it bashes the NFL, but I'm not going to say names. Um, I started at the NFL and there was a really high level person. And we had a connection through um, Wisconsin. And I, I really wanted to meet him. And I finally got to meet him. And he was like, yeah, come into my office. And we had one of these sit-downs. And he was on his phone the whole time. And he was, like, distracted and wasn't paying attention to me. And, and I was pretty dejected. And then fast forward, uh, I went to Fox. And there was a really high-level person. I had a very similar interaction. And, and this person looked me in the eyes. He only gave me about five minutes. And the other guy, the first guy had given me like 15, but the five minutes that I got, he was engaged. He was like this. He was, he was in, he was asking me questions. He was asking me about my wife. He was asking me about my, what I wanted to do. Oh, that's, you moved from Wisconsin to LA. How was that? And that there's a stark contrast there between those two. And I try to, in all of my interactions, be like the latter. And it's like just treating people with decency and respect and, and paying attention to them and getting off of my cell phone. As, as you kind of evolved, has your idea based on you know, some of your interactions, has your idea of like what it means to be a leader kind of changed? Absolutely. Not only that, but I would say like this whole like what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer to that has changed uh, dramatically. And I used, to, I, I used to say, well, I want to be an executive and I want to have power and influence and control and I want to have a nice big office and I have a bathroom in my office because if you have a bathroom in your office, it means you've done something. You made it. Yeah. And I still kind of say all those things, but all of those things are secondary. Those are byproducts to, uh, impacting people. And, and just like, whether that's in my role as impacting our membership or in anybody's role, you interact with a bunch of people all day long, whether it's the people you work with or your clients or potential clients or business partners. And it's like impacting those people in a positive way, like end stop. And if you do that, that's what I feel is leadership. I do want to have influence over people, but I want to make sure that that influence is, is wielded in the right way to positively impact as many people as I can. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like my experiences have become more mature athlete. And I said this earlier, which is like when you're young, you think about yourself and making sure like your own performance is locked in and like I'm doing this and, and I'm doing, but then as you grow and mature, you think about yourself in the context of the team and how all that kind of works to yeah. promote like us as an organization. And like when I first transitioned to a leadership role on the team, it's like, well, it just means I have to speak in the huddle more. You know what I mean? But, yeah, that's but that's, not that, but is. that's not leadership at all. <laughs> yeah. it's, and finally I was yeah. like, oh, wow, like actually most of the impact you have is individual to individual, yeah, like connecting with a right. person. You know, yeah, so you connect with people and it's like, it's, it's so rewarding to like connect with someone and then you see them doing something that you advise them to, or you give them some advice that led them to that. And then, excuse me. And you see that and you're like, holy smokes, like I made a difference. And it's, again, I, it sounds cheesy, but that's what it's about. I, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're at the NFLPA or you're, you're, working somewhere that has nothing to do with sports. I don't think it's unique to sports, though I do think we have in our industry um, 
more of that mentality simply by virtue of who's drawn to it. And it's like a self-selecting crowd of folks who are used to working in teams and are used to accomplishing things or not accomplishing things and then going back to the drawing board and saying, how do we get better next year or next week or next, next year? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's accepting that failure is, is potentially part of the gig, but at the same time, it's not final because yeah. you know, we're just going to have another opportunity to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's admittedly an area where I, I, I struggle is like, and I wouldn't call it a perfectionist. It's just like, if I don't understand something right away or if, or if something's if not coming or I make the wrong call because you make wrong decisions, especially as you progress through your career and you go up the career ladder, you get to make more decisions. But that means you make more decisions, which means some of them are going to be not the right decision. And, and that's something that I'm working on is, is taking that that those failures or not complete successes and turning those into how do I get better? Could you share like an experience like, okay, this happened, but then out of that experience, I learned how to approach this in a totally different way, whether it was like from a process standpoint or, you know, identified, okay, I was thinking about this and maybe I was working off the, the whole, whole wrong thing. We have a love-hate relationship with the NFL. And, I, and on the labor side, they have their relationship. And on the commercial side, we also have a relationship. And and I serve as one of the, the points, the leads with the NFL and my counterpart there. And he's a great guy. He's a fantastic guy. We had something come up with one of the sponsors. And my approach was to say, okay, to my counterpart, let's you and I figure this out. And we came up with a solution. And we thought it was a good solution. And, and it, over the course of a couple of days, I had, time, I had plenty of time to do what I didn't do. Um, and I kind of kept it like this. I didn't realize I was doing it. My natural inclination was to just, I can, I can do this myself. I'm a control freak. I, I, can, I can handle this. We got to the end. We came up with a solution, drafted a side letter to our commercial agreement, which was officially codifying this uh, new process that would apply to players. And it didn't get signed, luckily. But I, I went and I, luckily, before it was signed, showed it to one of my colleagues who actually works in the account management and she leads our group and she read it and she goes, well, well, wait a minute. This, this doesn't make any sense because you completely missed. And I don't need to get into the details, but I completely missed something. I just totally missed it. And I was like, Oh, so then I had to go back and I looked foolish going back and asking for more with my counterpart at the NFL. And we, we ended up working it out. But the, the lesson from that was collaboration, though it may be less efficient is oftentimes going to get you to a better spot at the end. So it's this idea of measure twice or maybe measure three times, cut once, as opposed to measure measure as quick as you can, cut, and then you've cut it kind of the wrong way. That's gold. That, like, yeah. Because I, my coaches at Cal like, all, literally always say that. It's like from the process standpoint. I mean, it's, it's identifying what you're aiming at. So actually, you know what you're aiming at, and you can shoot in the right direction because if you don't, then... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, any, it's anywhere's guess where it's going to shoot. Yeah. And I, it's funny because we're talking about like people who are drawn to sports. And I, I think there's a, the teamwork thing is a positive aspect of that. Um, there's also this like, I want to be the guy, even in my pickup basketball games, who's taking the game winning shot. Mm-hmm. Like somebody else takes it and makes it. 
I'm happy, but I'm also like, I was hoping, dude. Like, I could have taken that shot, you know? And, and it's the athlete's mentality of like the Kobe mentality or the MJ mentality of like this killer instinct. And that's not necessarily a positive thing because I think you get a bunch of those folks in, in sports and then we're, we're it's constantly doing this. And, and, and sometimes I'm forgetting that I need to cl- collaborate with my colleagues. And this isn't the game winning shot in a pickup game that means literally nothing <laughs> in the morning. But everything. This is this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm treating everything like that. It's like, no, this is a little different. I should probably like take 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 a breath. Yeah. Get my colleagues' input because almost always, if not always, it's going to be helpful. It's never going to hurt to get colleagues' input. It's one of the things as an athlete you get all the time. You get feedback, right? You get feedback from coaches. You get feedback from teammates. So from from your perspective in a, in a personal world where you're highly competitive still, like you're still doing a lot of things that are really important things um, and, elite, and, and you need to demonstrate leadership on a lot of really complex issues. So how do you manage your ego? How do you manage everyone else's ego? But then at the same time, find this shared vision that we're all pointed the same direction in. Yeah. You know, it's like the real challenge, I guess, of, of being on a team. Blessed. Yeah, I was, I was blessed and at the time cursed, but now it's a blessing that I... I mentioned my path. I was at Fox Sports and I did talent deals and I was at NFL Network doing talent deals, among other things. But talent deals, honor talent, have agents no different than our players have agents. They're just like the sports broadcasting agents. And the the curse at the time and the blessing now is that I don't think there are bigger egos in the world than some of the agents that I worked with. There would be times where like literally I would be like doing this with the phone. And there would be things that I wouldn't want my mother hearing coming, me being called on the other side. And it was this world of like, I don't know, I guess it, maybe that's what you do as an agent. Maybe that's what you need to do. And I, I have a lot of friends that are agents, so it's not all of them. I'm not casting them all in this light, but some of them are. And when you talk about egos, it's like, so I got a first row seat or a front row seat at hearing and seeing some of these very successful but irrational, emotional uh, folks who had some major egos. And, and it was like, okay, I, know, I don't know what I want to do, but I know what I don't want to do. And it's that. In terms of egos now, and, and or I guess your first part of your question was my ego. Um, it's something that I got I to gotta check constantly because I mentioned the whole like Kobe, MJ, killer instinct. Well, that can be good or it can be bad. And it's something that, I need to check myself repeatedly. Like, am I getting, am I letting it get the best of me? And, and going all the way back to what we first talked about, one of the cool things about this job is that I do have this higher purpose of like the betterment of these young men and, and, and women through Rep Worldwide, um, of helping them, whether that's talking them through stuff, whether that's actually doing a deal on their behalf and then they get revenue from that. Um, so it, that in and of itself by its nature, like helps, uh, check the ego at the door because our jobs are to, to literally like do whatever's best for our membership. So it's like helping people. So there's like this, I'm putting you and you and you and you ahead of my own interests. So by its nature, that's helpful for checking my ego, but I still have to do it. And the last part of your question, just so I, just so I get it all. He's a Jedi. He's on it. I am surprised by the lack 
of egos, not only in our building at the NFLPA, because we all have pretty cool jobs, but this is going to sound crazy, but also our, our players. So the media loves to highlight the dumb stuff that our guys do, the dumb tweets, the, 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 the mistakes. Yeah, they love that. And I get it. I, I understand it. They, like I said before, I get their job. Their job is clicks and eyeballs. People like that stuff. But f- that's not, that doesn't define who these guys are, right? Uh, you sit down with, I don't know, I would say most, but like I have not had an experience with a player where I've gone, oh, man, that guy's a jerk. I, it just ha- literally hasn't happened. I've had experiences where I go, oh, he has no idea what he's talking about. He's genuine, but he has, he's, like he's, there's going to be some work to be done here. But I've never walked out of a room or gotten off the phone and gone like, well, that guy was a jerk. It just, it, it, despite what is portrayed, the egos are, are actually like, they're, they're checked at the door, especially when, like, look, they're, they're human beings, right? They have insecurities. It doesn't matter if, you're, if you have a million followers on Twitter, you still got insecurities like any other human still being. Still a human being. Yeah, yeah exactly. Going back to sort of the, the leadership and, and team stuff, how would you define leadership? Putting yourself behind the interests of the person you're talking to, whether it's your boss, your boss's boss, or somebody that works for you, or the person who waters your plants in your office, is if, if they have an interest and you have an interest, is putting theirs in, in front of yours. Or I, I guess more accurately, it would be us being able to assess the interests and and making sure that you're not putting yours in front of others just because of ego or because of your own desires. Love that. What what's the best leadership advice you ever got? What got you here is not what will get you to where you're going to go. So each step along the way is going to require you to tweak your your game, tweak your skills to use the sports analogy. So when you're you're getting your first job, it takes certain qualities. You get promoted, you go up, you try to get your second job. It's going to take something else to get you there and then and c- continuing to go on and being able to recognize that. How do, you, how do you stay on the edge? Because that's like kind of effectively where you are on the business front. Like I said, we talked about before, you're on the edge of crypto stuff. You're on sport, sport gambling and sport betting. You're on the edge of that, making sure that you know, the players are ahead of the curve. How do, how do you sort of be able to stay at the edge, stay abreast of all the current things, all the potential things, but managing what you're also doing right now in the present, working effectively with your partners across the aisle. Trusting that the people around me are going to do their jobs and they're going to do it well, so I can focus on what my job is. Uh, and that includes folks that, that just so happen to report to me. I don't view it as like, you have your job, and I that you have your job and I'm going to oversee you and I'm going to get in and, and help you with it. It's like, no, I trust you. Like there's a reason you got that job. Go do it. And, and, and almost always, if not always, it gets done as good as I would have done it or better. Having a few things, really big, important deals or projects that, that, that I'm leading as opposed to like just checking emails and, you know, get through the emails or, or the to-do list each day is and having these things that are like longer term projects what happens is as it percolates in your in your brain whether it's consciously or subconsciously over time it almost seems like you sharp you naturally sharpen the edges if you have these two or three things that are longer term projects as opposed to 
okay, it's Monday, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Tuesday, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And, and that's where I've seen the most growth in my, in my own professional development is really whittling down the number of things and trusting that those things will get done by the folks who need to do those. And then just letting them kind of sit and talking through them with people and narrowing it down. Thank you so much again for uh, stopping by and jumping on. Really appreciate Love what we're doing together. You interviewing uh, or jumping in with me, and then also the support on Rep Worldwide and everything you do there on behalf of athletes. Just really, really grateful. Thank well, you. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. Um, like I said, we get bored, so there, there's more things coming, and and there's more things coming specifically around Rep Worldwide, and we're, we're super excited to have you leading the rugby folks but also as a part of our portfolio of athlete partners because it really is about world domination and bringing all the athletes together to do whatever the athletes need to do next stop world love it now it's time for our captain's code top takeaways the big ideas and leadership that we took away from our conversation here today as he works to improve the quality of experience for athletes Casey always counsels players on the importance of preparing for life after sport. The first step, applying the same drive that they have for football into everything that they do. To be successful, you have to invest deliberate time, energy, discipline into your passions. Casey recommends that everyone has a trusted group of advisors, essentially your own personal board of directors, to whom you can go for advice, support, or just be a sounding board. Select individuals who can open doors and encourage you, but will also hold you accountable and push you to stretch and grow. As you look for mentors, both for your board of directors or in other parts of your career, think about the qualities of those people, not only their achievements or position. Casey's rule of thumb, look for mentors that you admire as people, not only as professionals. Working well in team environments requires strong collaboration and communication, and when that doesn't happen, time and resources can easily be wasted. Casey stands by the old adage, measure twice, cut once. In the workplace, we all need things done yesterday, but focusing on speed of execution versus taking a more measured approach can mean disaster. Collaborate, communicate, get all the information you need to not have to make a second cut. And finally, the golden rule is still golden. Treat others as you want to be treated. A great reminder and enough said.